Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, my co-host, and the head coach of Canacuck Camps. Hey, it's Joe White. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. It's great to be with you all today. I've heard many, many comments as I've traveled recently about the Canacuck Podcast, and thank you for listening. We're uh, we're just honored and humbled to get to be with you on this podcast today. I agree. Today, we're talking about breaking free from sin, and I am I'm passionate about this topic, Joe. And you know, big big reason is I, I just feel like there's so many people that when they make the choice to follow Jesus and to begin to live out this Christian faith, there is a lie that's being bought that complete victory from sin is not possible. It's a nice idea, but the reality of the Christian life, the best it gets is is the more that I can spread out those falls. So the anger outbursts, the binge drinking, the the sexual promiscuity, if I can stretch out those episodes, the longer I stretch them out, the better I'm doing. In other words, the pinnacle of the Christian life is, is to just become a great sin manager. And, and we believe that Satan is the father of lies. I tell my kids he's a trickster and he wants to deceive. And, and that is a deception. Uh, I, I looked up a passage this morning. It's Romans 8, 2. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And so today we want to talk about the truth that victory in Jesus is a real thing and that breaking free from the sin in your life is, is possible. And that's what God wants for you. And that's where he wants to take you. Joe, talk to me about the importance of this topic. Yeah, Shay, um, I just I love the, uh, the 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 truth of the scripture John eight thirty six I was just reading this morning uh, where Christ proclaims uh, that all the cosmos might hear uh, if the Son of Man sets you free you shall be truly free or you shall be free indeed and one of the other lies that you know we will dispel on this broadcast today is that Christ only uh, frees us from the penalty of sin, which he does, but he also frees us from the power of sin. Doesn't mean we won't be tempted, but it certainly does mean that the filling of the Holy Spirit, that when Christ's Spirit fills any willing believer's heart, that he literally can free us from any sin, no matter how long we've been living in that sin, for today, tomorrow, and the rest of our life. There is no building too tall for the Holy Spirit to take down. And as we go into our adventure with uh, our two guests today, uh, Grant Gaines, um, who is happily married to a very happy girl <laughs> who we affectionately know as SJ, and the parent of two lovely children, and the assistant director of K2 joins us, and also Lindsay Rother, um, probably more bragged about around Canuck land than any of our directors. Uh, she is a fabulous uh, K West director and a 
Kennecook Institute director, along with Grant, by the way, he's also one of the Institute directors. Uh, we could not have two wiser guests on our show today, uh, Shay, to uh, talk about this topic. I agree. Grant and Lindsay, say hello to the people. Hey, guys. I think that... I- we would uh, just gladly sit here and listen to y'all talk back and forth. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, introduction. Goodness gracious. Let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. Enough said. Shane, Joe, Kanakuk family, thanks for letting us hop on with you today. We're excited to be with you. Well, there's a lot of reasons that we had Grant and Lindsay on. And one of the big ones is in their role at the Kanakuk Institute, they bring in postgraduate leaders, some of our, our very best that have gone through the Kanakuk system and, and they bring them through a nine-month Bible training program that is life-changing, giving them biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. I went through it myself. I'm losing count, I think 16 or 17 years ago. And the way I describe it, it is perpetual sanctification accelerant. In other words, the nine months that they experience at the Institute, it creates a foundation that causes their spiritual life to be like a snowball rolling downhill. Like I still benefit every single day from my time at the Institute. And the brilliance of the way that you start the experience is is you really start from the ground up. And, And you do that through a process of taking a spiritual inventory and really kind of holding up a mirror, using God's word to hold it up in front of your students to give them an accurate picture of what they're Current reality is like, here's really where you're at so that you know where to start. Talk to us about that process. Yeah, I would just say it's so fun to watch a generation coming up behind us that's excited and passionate about God's word and being disciple makers and difference makers. But so often they have not been trained of how to take an assessment or an inventory or deal with their own personal struggles. And so what we really get to do is help them look backward so that they can run forward for a lifetime. And really the the prayer for us at the Institute is that they would leave in April sustainable for a lifetime. But if we don't go backward and allow them to evaluate and just dig into the things that have been wronged toward them, but then also decisions that they've made that all of us have and all of us have made, they're just not going to be able to healthily be sustainable moving forward for a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, wearing a mask is no new concept in uh, post-COVID 2020 in a literal sense, but a lot of people in a spiritual sense come in wearing masks. They think they're supposed to be the good guy, the good girl, the, the Christian that goes to church, they read their Bible and, oh, I never sin. I never struggle. I don't have any baggage, no spiritual addictions, anything like that. And so people try to uh, run forward with the Jesus, run forward by putting on Bible reading plans, scripture memory, which is great. Do that. But uh, there's a mask. They're, they're not living out the authentic faith, the authentic person that God has called them to be. And so we want at the the beginning of our process to identify, illuminate what masks they're wearing, what lies are they believing, what sin have they been struggling with, and help them take off those masks so they can truly run forward in the freedom that y'all have talked about that comes with God and His Spirit. Joe, you are masterful in this arena. Talk to us a little bit about the power that wounds from your past, mistakes, sin, things that were been done to you, that if buried, what are the ramifications? Like, how does it play on? throughout your life. Yeah, Shay, um, 
you know, over the years, counseling high school kids taught me a lot about uh, foundations that the home builds or doesn't build in the heart of a child. Uh, as we'll talk about in future podcasts, uh, every child has 10 sacred compartments in their heart. And in the future, we'll talk about those and help those who listen to our podcast uh, find out how to fill those sacred compartments. But just a couple of those compartments are the need for intimacy and the need for affection and the need for uh, understanding and the need for uh, to be honored and to be valued. And when those sacred compartments in a child's heart are not filled by mom and dad and certainly other significant uh, coaches, teachers, uh, peers, et cetera, in their life, then or, or if those compartments are betrayed by an absentee father or mother or a harsh or abusive father or mother, then it leaves a wound in that child's heart that goes on with that child for the rest of their life. If someone does not help them counsel through that, and if that child does not know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fill those compartments of his little hungry, broken heart with the love of Christ. And so those wounds become cavities those wounds in a child's heart, and perhaps as you're listening today, you can go back and get this. And why do you scream? Why do you angry? Why do you look at porn? And why do you, do you know, drink and use substances? And 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 why can can't you get free from these attitudes? But way back there is this little wound that's become a cavity, and that cavity's like a vacuum cleaner, Shay, and it will suck in the most nearly available object, which is often pornographic pictures, or it's often a substance, or often something to anesthetize the pain that you went through as a child. And so our job as counselors and camp directors and institute leaders is to help individuals fill those sacred compartments often left vacant for decades with the Spirit of Christ, and literally from the inside out, like a leaf in the springtime, pushing out the old leaf off the twig and filling that void with the new life and love of Jesus Christ. That's where freedom comes from, my friends. I think I asked the right guy that question. (laughs) Joe, thank you for, I mean, beautiful. Thank you for that understanding. Lindsay, let me ask you, so let's get practical for the sake of our listeners. This process of self-discovery and self-honesty, how do we do that? You know, from what you've learned, how do we how do we apply that in our life? Yeah, great question. So I would just say you have to start at the gospel and an understanding of just your own personal salvation, because without starting there, the reality is that we are dead in our sin, that, that we can't break free from it. And then once there is a complete and true surrendered heart to the Lord as Savior and Lord, then you get to begin really searching where those those grievances have come. And my mind goes to Psalm 139, which just says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me. And whenever we begin to take that assessment of where 
have I wronged people? And then where have I been wronged? It's not coming from a place of shame and guilt and wanting to live there, but really getting to the roots of where those things are coming from so that you can begin to allow for the Lord to step in and heal those wounds and be able to, to begin the, the forward moving process. So I would say we have to start at the gospel and just our own salvation and then begin taking that assessment from there. And I'll let Grant pick up from the next step. Well, the, the Psalm 139, it's where the money is at, praying for the spirit to search you and know you. There are some practicals that people have done in the past uh, that you can purchase online. A counselor can walk you through. You can also just read the Ten Commandments or read the seven deadly sins and, you know, allow the spirit to search you. Man, have I broken one of these commandments that God has asked me to walk in and invited me to find life in? And so I, I love what Joe said, because it's so true with, you know, everyone in this room has had our fair share of experience with a stinky poopy diaper. And uh, man, when there's a stinky diaper, you can try a lot of different things to remove the stench. You could wash the kid's hair. You can, you know, put on perfume, spray some Febreze. But if you really want that kid to smell better, you got to get rid of the old stinky diaper first. And uh, so often in our spiritual sense, we try to wash our hair, if you will. Again, Bible reading plan, scripture memory, go to church, podcast, uh, go work at camp, go be a, a, a camper at camp. And we're not willing to take off the old before putting on the new. And so I love, you know, multiple places throughout scripture. My mind goes to uh, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. It says, put off or take off your old self. And then verse 24 says, put on your new self, which being created in the image of Christ. And, and we love that last part. We want to be made in the image of Christ, but we have to do the hard work that we've all discussed thus far of taking off the old self. And that's a process that's hard. That's opening up some old wounds, Joe, that you were talking about that may cause you to look back a year, a decade, you know, multiple decades back into your life of, hey, I've never truly dealt with this sin that I've, or, or this wound, this uh, anything that's causing me now to lash out, to try to fill that void that, uh, that the Lord intends for me to fill it with Christ, but I'm filling it with sin. And so it's a hard process, but from a biblical standpoint, we have to take off our old self before we can begin to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. I think it's easy to, to go straight to the big sins of pornography and alcohol and addiction. And those all are areas that need to be reconciled. But what I've learned at a personal level, and then just watching so many others walk through it, we got to go to the simple things too, of where am I just seeking the approval of man and gossip of elevating self and putting down others. And just even those little inconsistencies of, we don't want to just only address the big ones of those are key and vital, but also even just getting deeper to the, the seemingly small and insignificant ones that are still just ruling and reigning in our day to day. It's usually those that are the the root of the issue. So you see substance abuse, you see an eating disorder, you see pornography, and we treat those, which is important, but we miss that there's a, a, a greater, deeper lie underneath that if we just, we lack intimacy with God and we, we seek it in a sexual relationship outside of marriage, but then we stop doing that, that's great, but we still are lacking intimacy with the Father. So now I'm going to try to find it 
with uh, Netflix binging with anything. And so, yeah, it's it's not just the big visible sin. There's always roots behind every sin that we commit. And, and what are those lies we're believing? And we got to dig. It's, just, it's a hard, long process, but man, it's so freeing and so worth it. As you lead students through the self-introspection process, how much of the issues that pop up are broken relationships? I would say that there's a, a heavy and high percentage there, whether that's a, a past dating relationship, a parent relationship, sibling. It, it looks different for everybody, but a piece of the healing process is acknowledging and taking ownership of where there's been a personal wrongdoing or where we've blown it at the individual level, but then also acknowledging, wow, I was wronged there and I've been carrying bitterness mm -hmm. in that. And so while there's a, a personal layer of just working through confessing our own sin, there's also just another layer of what it looks like to forgive people of their grievances against us. And so many people are carrying around just bitterness that is actually leading to their own personal bondage that watching people deal with and acknowledge that it's it's beginning to set them free in a different way and when we can understand the forgiveness that christ extends us then it allows for us to be ministers of reconciliation and extend that forgiveness to other people sometimes where it's not deserved or mm. or even asked for but whenever you do the personal work the freedom that comes with that is you can't put a price tag on that Hey listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now back to the show. Joe, as you know, you know, when they walk through this process, they give them a long list. It's basically, you know, let's say a hundred introspective questions. And what's brilliant about that is that, you know, as we know, working with teenagers, it's easy to compartmentalize wounds and almost forget about them. And when you push something away for so long, it it doesn't disappear, but but it can be forgotten. In fact, as I've kind of walked through this process over the years, God has reminded me of wounds that happen that have a little root, a little lie, or a, a vow that I made out of that lie that still has an, you know, some effect there. So there's such value in taking God's word or taking somebody by the hand and leading them through that process. And that's what I see you do so well in counseling is you generally are leading people somewhere where they need to go, but they don't even know they're on a journey with you. Talk to us about that insight. Yeah, Shay, and we could, we could do a podcast on this one day and probably will, uh, but I am an expert on me, and you are an expert on you, and nobody knows you like you know you except God. And as a friend, and you don't have to be a professional counselor, but as a friend— of a friend, you can simply help your friend, your spouse, your child. You can help them find out what that little, you know, 
little splinter is, that little festered little splinter is, it's been digging under the skin. And if you've ever had a little splinter that's festered over a very long period of time, you know that little splinter can put pain in your whole body. And if you can help your friend or your child or your roommate discover what that little splinter is, and, and it's, it's as simple as tell me about your relationship with your dad. What was that like for you? You can ask that question at any age. Tell me about your relationship with your mom. What was that like for you? And you can help a friend just find out where the splinter is. You know, it doesn't take a PhD to listen well to a friend. The greatest parents are great listeners. And as you help somebody and value their feelings as they're expressed to you, my, my relationship my dad was hard. Tell me about that. My dad was never there for me. What was that like for you? And, and then as a friend, you begin to play into, what is the God factor? How, how, how's the Jesus factor in your life play into that solution to that problem? And you can help someone discover on their own how the Spirit of Christ can go in and fill that place that dad left when he left home that time or when he called you a loser. You can help a friend discover on their own how the Spirit of Christ is more than enough to fill that empty vacuum that's been concealed like a splinter for so long. That's the beauty of Christian friendships, folks. And you can be that to anyone in your life today just by listening well. Grant and Lindsay, once you discover some issues— right? Source of anxiety, anger, pain, reconciliation. What's the next step that you help your students take? There's a, a couple. It all starts with this keyword that is the keyword of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to Jesus. He had a sermon and then Jesus Christ, his first sermon had the same keyword. And then the first sermon after Jesus Christ left the earth, Peter had the same keyword and the word is repent. Uh, and so a lot of times, again, we will be walking in a certain sin pattern. And what we typically do is we confess that, we ask for forgiveness for that, but then we don't really make any tangible plans to not continue walking in that sin in the future. And so Jesus talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount, that if your right hand causes you sin, you know what you should do? You should do something about that. Cut off your right hand. And he's being metaphorical, but you can't miss what he's saying. He's saying, take tangible steps to repent. And repent is a military term that... You do an about face, you turn 180 degrees the opposite direction. So I was running after this sin or that sin, and I'm going to repent. In the words of John the Baptist, Jesus, and Peter, I'm going to turn the other way. And so what we want our students to do after they've identified the sin, the lie that's under the sin, and, and how they can replace that with the truth of God is how can we find tangible ways for you to repent? What does it look like for you for a season or for a lifetime to be off social media, be off of your smartphone, uh, not hang out with that friend, break up with him, break up with her, tangible steps, and shove some community in there, some accountability that's really going to help you actually walk in that repentance. Yeah, and then I would say once there's repentance, then we just, in the Christian culture, don't have a good understanding of confession. And James says that when you confess your sins to one another, that, that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. And so then really just helping just believers understand the power and significance of we get to repent to the Lord. But when we confess to our, 
our brothers or our sisters, that that is where healing can begin. And it invites somebody into that journey tangibly on earth with us to be able to call us up and hold us to mm-hmm. the the standard that we desire and, and are striving for, but we just sometimes need to be reminded. And so really we just get to practice confession and begin modeling that and then helping students begin to to practice that and then from there the the prayers that they would continue that for a lifetime and i think that there's also just this layer of getting to work through you asked about broken relationships of where those have happened and we begin to take ownership personally what does it look like to start asking for forgiveness from people that we've wronged? And there's got to be work done personally mm-hmm. to where you don't just go to a person and create a mess because you're emotionally unstable in that exchange. But uh, beginning to to really understand that and then go to people and say, hey, I wronged you in this way and I really want to just make that right. And I need to ask for your forgiveness and those are moments of great victory of getting to make amends and just make things right with people and just walk in freedom from those broken relationships that all of us have in some capacity. You know, there's a there's a cloud of freedom that's floating around here right now because your students have just walked through that process. And I have talked to a bunch of them who have been on the phone and they've been calling up relationships and having those uh, reconciling conversations. And as scary as they are on the front end, I mean, you can literally see them, their spirits like dancing in freedom after they've had the conversations. And it's just so awesome to like, to see like tangible freedom. This is what the gospel is all about. Joe, I, you know, Ashley and I, we are trying to teach our kids the difference between saying, I'm sorry and saying, Will you forgive me? Talk about the difference between those two when we're trying to reconcile a relationship. Well, Shay, after being married for 48 years to a woman who is great at keeping me accountable. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember one time, I don't know, we got in a discussion and husbands out there, uh, I've learned that, uh, you know, that it's a whole lot better to be to be uh, happy than right. Uh, so make your choice, boys. But, you know, I said, baby, I'm sorry. And she looked at me and she said, I don't feel like you're sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I asked Heather Headley, a dear friend of mine, I said, uh, Heather said, I'm sorry, but she doesn't uh, f- feel like she's sorry. And she said, you have to gravel across the floor and just gravel on your belly up to her feet and tell her how sorry you are. But when you are really sorry, you do want to say, hey, you know, my bad, for real. I mean, my bad. Will you please forgive me for that? It goes a whole lot deeper than just two little words out of the breath of your mouth. Uh, there's something about saying, will you forgive me? And to anyone who's listening, who's struggling with sin right now, struggling with an old, you know, an old wound that you're filling up with something you don't like hanging around your your life. Uh, I think the foremost uh, powerful words in the world are, I'm sorry, and I'm done, because the, the the apology, Shay, has the forgiveness issue in it when you say, I'm sorry, and I'm done. Lord, I'm finished with that uh, sin. Will you please forgive me for that? I am done. It's over. 
Lindsay and Grant. So we've walked through the process of self-discovery, repentance, confession, reconciliation of relationships. Now, one of the things that you guys do so well at the Institute is you build community around those individuals to walk in freedom. There is, when, when someone repents, there is a season of vulnerability where you're, you're fresh off of sin. And I think about myself so many years ago in California when I, I practiced James 5.16, I poured my guts out for the first time in a long time, completely exposed myself. I was like a toddler walking around. And I was fortunate to have a handful of men that, that were there to help me grow up in the process. And then he's put, you know, Chansey and Joe and Warden, all these people to help me continue to grow up. Talk about that process and the importance of building community around the process. Yeah. First Peter 5, 8 says that our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've all seen the YouTubes, the Animal Planet's Discovery Channel videos of a, a lion hunting a pack of wildebeest. And then, of course, there's the one that's straggling around doing whatever it is that he's doing by himself. And 10 out of 10 times, the lion will always, always, always attack the straggler, attack the one that's by himself, very rarely attacks the pack. There's strength in the pack. The Lord knows that we are sheep. We are weak, feeble, defenseless animals. And yet when we stay in a pack and we follow our shepherd, there's power and strength. And so, yeah, there's uh, a great uh, credence behind what you're saying of we are very weak, very vulnerable as we're confessing our sins. But uh, the very next verse in First Peter then 5, 9 says to resist the devil standing firm in the faith, which we're all about. We love that. It says, because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same struggle as you. And so the way that we stand firm in the faith, resist the devil, is we know that people around us are fighting the same fight. And so we stay a part of the pack. We resist the line. We, we avoid uh, his temptations by running a pack, running in community. For sure. And my mind just goes to Second Timothy 2, where it talks about flee from youthful lust, but then it immediately pairs it with and pursue righteousness mm. and faith and love and peace. And whenever we're pursuing those things together, there's just the ability to have momentum built. And then we're able to then be outward facing and go share the hope that we have found, the freedom we have found in Christ with people who haven't found it yet. So we just need to be reminded and spurred on from the people to our left and our right to get to, to fight the fight. And it's a fight. The enemy is crafty and deceiving and wants to continue to tempt us. If that isn't going to go away. Just our ability to uh, resist those temptations and continue to walk in freedom. That's what changes. And when we have people just breathing confidence and encouragement into us in that it spurs us on to be able to continue to walk in freedom. Grant, I'm going to give you a final word on this, and then I'm going to pass it over to Joe for a final exhortation. But speak to just individuals out there, like how do you do this on a daily basis? We talked about a big process that you've been walking through with students actually over weeks, but how does a believer practice this on a daily basis? Yeah, two two parts. Number one, it's your individual confession time with the Lord. And Shay, you've taught me a lot in this area, but praying through Psalm 139 
uh, as you start your day, Lord, have I offended you or anyone else in any way, Lord? And I, a lot of times I'll pray, Spirit, illuminate and then eliminate. So mm -hmm. bring it to light, illuminate, and then eliminate. Get it away from my life. That's the Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm done. And then, yeah, there's the the public confession. Y'all talked about James 5.16 and one way that I've practically started doing this is I just have a group of prayer partners where they each person has a different day every week that they pray for me. And each morning while I'm driving to work, I send them an audio message that's just confession of sins and request for that day worth of prayer. And so it's really simple, but it's really healthy for me not only to have that off my chest, but more importantly, to have people praying for me. Yeah. And so very simple, just to grab a group of guys, grab a group of girls and say, let's just do this. Let's make this a habit that we're going to confess sins to one another. And I think, yeah, the last thing I'll say is, man, the fear is that when people know more of us, they'll like us less. And we have never, never, never seen that at the Kinnick Institute. I'm sure y'all can agree at camp and in life in general. The more you know someone, the more you love someone. And so put that to the test as you're out there listening, like confess your sins to someone and just see if they don't love you more for pouring out your heart and realizing that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, nor in his people that are walking in his spirit. Ooh, Joe, all that said, great words. What's you on see, your heart? Now you see why students uh, and graduates and even postgraduates come to the Institute uh, to be around these two people. Uh, the wisdom just flows. Um, but yeah, I, I would just I just close with two words. Never again. Um, every time I speak to men, whether whether they're grown men or whether they're young men, I was with the football team uh, in Texas the other day, and, and the guys will always come up, you know, for assurance and for a hug and for a word and for a commitment to Christ. Um, and I can look in these men's eyes, I can look in these students' eyes, and I know what the emptiness in their face. I've seen it thousands of times. But this student came up like I've seen so many times, and he's hooked on porn. Uh, one of those cavities in his heart wasn't well filled when he was a child. His father didn't spend time with him uh, in in this area of explaining, uh, you know, the beauty of marriage and the and the and the gift of of, uh, of of romance in a marriage and intimacy in a marriage. Well, and like so many other men, he looked one time at porn, and he was hooked. And I just said two things. One, write down the words, never again. If you mean them with your whole heart, if you mean them with your whole heart, never again. And then glue them to the top of your computer. Never again. God, I'm done. And then write your wife a love letter. And some of you need to write your wife a love letter today who are listening and tell her how much you love her and tell her from this podcast forward, from this moment in my life forward, I promise you, I don't even know you. Some of you all are single. I don't even know you. And some of y'all are married. I know you well. But from this moment forward and never again, never Psalms 101.3 will I put anything unclean before my eyes. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I am done. And then, as Lindsay said, is you pursue the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you say, Lord... Today, please fill that cavity in my heart with the intimacy that only you can give. I depend on you completely to fill that old, empty, hurt void in my life with the Spirit of Christ. And I will walk in the fullness of your Spirit all the days of my life. 
Today may be your day for freedom. Jesus guarantees it if you'll completely trust him. Thank you, Joe. And thank you to Lindsay and Grant. We so appreciate your wisdom. We're super proud of what you guys are doing and the way that you're living your lives. And thank you to our listeners for taking time with us today. We hope that today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to spiritual growth. With that, we would love to pray for you. Father, we lift up our listeners and we just thank you for the opportunity to encourage them in this way. And I pray that uh, today's conversation truly, that seeds would be planted and momentum would begin and that they would set out to live and take hold of the freedom and the victory that is in Christ Jesus. I pray that they would rebuke the lie of the enemy that says the best you can do is manage your sin. We know that is not true. The truth is, is that Jesus came to set us free, and we pray for that freedom in the lives of those who follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. <music>